Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. There's been a lot of talk lately about cancel culture and about how we cancel people with the wrong opinions. And in this sermon, we're going to think about how grace cancels cancel culture, how grace is the antithesis of cancel culture. You might like to have a read of the passage before beginning. It's Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 21. And you might like just to open your the Bible app on your phone or whatever it is that you do and have a read of that first. Just to remind you as well that there is more content available on the website and on YouTube. Do check out understandthebible.uk and that's got the link to the YouTube as well. I've just finished a series on YouTube called What is Christianity? looking at a, a mini Bible overview in six parts and we're about to start a new series called How to Live as a Christian. Unfortunately those aren't really suitable at the moment for translating into podcast format so we're just having the sermons on the podcast at the moment but do check them out if you're into YouTube. So thanks very much everyone for joining me. I hope that you enjoy it and see you again soon. God bless. One of the things which has been more in the news over the last couple of years is the whole cancel culture thing. I don't know if that's something that you've really uh, come across. But people who have uh, lost jobs um, at the worst, lost friends, um, been ostracised because basically they have the incorrect opinions. And cancel culture comes from a, a society which tends to um, divide people into good and bad groups depending on the opinions that they hold and um, it comes from a place of saying you know we are the, the good people because we believe in certain things you're the bad people because you don't believe in certain things and you can see this in in action in various different um, different ways you might have seen in the news um, there was um, a school teacher, a not sorry, school teacher, sorry, a chaplain from Nottingham, a college in Nottingham, a Christian college in Nottingham, by the way, who was dismissed because he gave a sermon in the, in the chapel which said you can you don't have to believe something just because someone tells you. Now, and this was in the context of LGBT, and he was just saying that we we need to be free to disagree. We need to you know to still be friends with people who we disagree with. That was all that he, he wasn't a, you know, it was a very, very lovely kind of balanced sermon, I thought, as I, as I read it. But he was even referred to the anti-terrorism unit uh, at the police, and, and he was dismissed eventually. It's, it's incredible. So he's um, going to, um, to sue, I think, for sort of unlawful dismissal. But that, that's, that's how it works. You know, you have the wrong opinions, you're not allowed to disagree, so we'll cancel you. That's how it works in our culture at the moment. And what Galatians says is that grace cancels cancel culture. That the cancel culture can't exist when we really understand God's grace. So let's look into, uh, let's look into what it says. So um, he's talking about Cephas and uh, you remember that Paul uh, mentioned they're going to see him and being accepted by the apostles last two weeks ago when we looked at this. Um, and it says, um, I opposed him, he stood condemned. And what, what was happening is that he 
used to eat with Gentiles, but he'd stopped doing that under pressure from what he calls the circumcision group. So in those days, the the Jewish people had uh, purity laws about what was and was not appropriate to eat. And um, you you can see those in the Old Testament. And uh, that meant that Jewish people couldn't eat with Gentiles because the Gentiles did not obey the Jewish purity laws. So that they weren't able to to eat together. The, The Jews had this idea they were the pure ones and the Gentiles were the, as Paul puts it, sinful Gentiles. You know, that was uh, what, how they saw uh, Gentiles. So they had to separate from them. And um, what Paul is saying uh, is that this circumcision group had been coming into the church in, in Galatia and saying, no, you have to obey all the Jewish purity laws. You have to obey these laws. It's not good enough just to trust in Jesus. It's not good enough that these Gentiles have to, you know, have trusted in Jesus as you have. You have to obey all of these other food purity laws as well. Even though, as it says in Mark uh, chapter 7 uh, verse 19, uh, Jesus said, it doesn't go into the heart but into the stomach and out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So Jesus had declared all foods clean at, at this point. So that the, uh, this circumcision group were asking the Gentiles to do something that they shouldn't have been asked to do. And it says, even Barnabas was led astray. Even Barnabas. I, 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 have a, I, I love Barnabas in, in the Bible. and he's, it, The name means son of encouragement. Um, but... It, I think he is that this truly appropriate name for him. Even Barnabas was led astray from uh, this this group. I think it just shows how leaders do have a particular responsibility to live out the truth because you know it does set the tone for a church, um, and it's the way that, uh, that that things go. So Paul says, "Well, when I saw they weren't acting in line with the truth of the gospel." He says that the gospel is at stake, that this is, not a, this is not a peripheral kind of secondary issue. This is a gospel issue, separating off the Jews eating and then the Gentiles kind of eating separately. That's a gospel issue. That's not a kind of issue for, that, that, that um, we can just shrug our shoulders and say, well, there we go. That's just one of those things. So he stood up and he says, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And so he's saying you're acting hypocritically. You know that you don't follow every single one of the Jewish laws, and yet why are you asking Gentiles to observe Jewish laws where you don't observe all of them? Um, and he says, uh, "We who are Jews by birth, not sinful Gentiles, sinful Gentiles in kind of in quotation marks," because I think he's just saying it as they would, they would have said it. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So when he says justified, so we are made right with God. We are accounted righteous. And that's what we want to be. We want to be, that's the problem, is that we're, we're sinful. 
and that what we need is to be accounted righteous before God. And we, uh, Paul says, we're not, we don't do that by obeying the law. We do that by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we get that righteousness, the righteousness that we really need. And it says, so we too, we Jews, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So he says, Jews and Gentiles alike both need Jesus. Both need Jesus. That everyone needs Jesus. We're all equal in that respect. Because we are all equally sinful. And none of us, not one of us, has got the ability to actually be righteous by just doing what the law requires. We can't do it. That's the problem. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we really need Jesus. And this is Paul's point. And then he, he thinks, well, some of the, 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 the objection might have been, well, if, if the, the Jews have got the law, but then you're making, you know, we need Jesus, so we're sinners, doesn't that mean that Jesus is promoting sin? Because, you know, we, we're pure, so... And Paul says, no, no, no. Um, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. So the Jews, they thought the Gentiles were the sinners. That's their view. That was their view at that time. And, um, but Jesus is the one who saves us from sin. He doesn't promote what is sinful. He saves us from it. So Paul is saying Jesus doesn't kind of um, uh, give us a pat on the back and then say, well, well done, you can stay as sinners. You know, that's what they were thinking. And Paul says, no, it's not like that. Actually, he's saying... No, we destroy that. No, we mustn't rebuild that working, trying to be righteous by the law. Because that is actually what is, what is sinful in the end. When we try to, uh, to, to serve God in a wrong kind of a way. Um, and then we've got the heart. This is the heart of what he's trying to say at the end. I do appreciate that this is maybe a little bit involved, and, and Galatians is a bit like that. But this is really the heart of what Paul is saying here. Saying, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Yet the law kills us. The law is actually our condemnation. Because the law is there in black and white and says to us, this is what, this is all the, the places that you've gone wrong. This is where you haven't loved God with your heart, soul, mind and strength. This is where you haven't loved your neighbour as yourself. And it's there in black and white. It tells us where we haven't loved. And it, 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 it accuses us. It condemns us. Because it's there telling us this is that, these are your faults. But the good news is as Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we've been crucified with Christ. 
and then we live for God. We have been crucified with Christ, so we live for God. So the body that um, the sinful self is not doesn't just need you know we don't just need to try harder. It needs to be put to death, and then we uh, we rise again with Christ by faith. And that's what we need. You know, we were thinking a little bit about this. If you were there at St John's on Sunday morning, we were looking at Romans chapter 6, which is a very similar sort of thought to that passage. You might like to have a look at that later. Romans chapter 6. But Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So if we could be righteous, if we could achieve what we wanted through obeying the law, then Paul says Christ died for nothing. Because we could have just done it ourselves. But we can't do it ourselves. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we needed Jesus to come and die for us. So that we might be crucified with him. So that we might live by the power of his resurrection. That's what we need. We don't just need a few more rules. We don't need a few more rules. And that's... If you take nothing else away from, from this, then that's the thing to remember. We don't need a few more rules. What we need is, is a resurrection. And only Jesus can give us that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does this, uh, this work out in practice? We don't have time for that now. And actually, as we co- go through the letter, Paul gets on to the practical implications of this um, later on in chapter 5 and 6. So stick around um, over the coming weeks and we'll look at that more as we go through. But I'd just like to suggest um, a couple of ways how this makes a difference in the here and now. So the first thing is that grace uh, puts us all on the same level. And that's the really, the really fundamental message. That we are not more worthy or more moral than other people because we have the right opinions or whatever. That it's, you know, God doesn't save us because of our worthiness or because of our inherent goodness. And so we can't look down on other people. You know, grace, properly understood, puts us in our, uh, in our rightful place. So we're not to look down on others. This is what it says in, um, in James. Uh, James chapter 2, verses uh, 1 to 4. My brothers and sisters... Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That's very strong, isn't it? Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus must not show favouritism. And favouritism is something which is forbidden by grace. When we really understand grace, we won't show favouritism. And it's sadly, it's the way that the world works, isn't it? That I was just watching, um, the other day I watched an episode of Forty Towers. You might have, have seen this one where um, Basil, Basil Forty, he... Um, uh, he decides he wants, wants a higher class of clientele and he advertises in a, in a 
sort of posh magazine and someone comes in and uh, you know, he's busy, he's on the phone, he treats him badly and then he says, oh, my name's Lord Melbury. And, uh, and instantly, he cha- you know, Basil changes and starts you know, sucking up to him. Um, and, it, and actually, I was really struck by, by watching that, how horrible it is a thing to watch, to watch pe- you know, someone change their attitude just because they think that someone is influential or rich. And we mustn't be like that. And one, one area where I think this may make a difference to us as a church, uh, and this is something which is just being discussed at the moment in, in the government, but you know, the idea of vaccine passports. But one of the things which they, they suggested is um, making it a requirement to have one to come into a church. And I think that that will be a wrong thing, actually, based on this. I think that it's very important to me, and I think it should be important to us all, that those doors are open to anyone. And that anyone who wants to come in to hear the good news of Jesus should be able to come in and, and to worship with us. And I think it would be a wrong thing to say, to, to close the doors to anyone, um, for any reason. So um, I think that we need to um, you know, think that one through. Certainly at the moment, um, you know, we're... yeah. Um, just something that we need to think about, but maybe something that we'll need to think about more over the coming coming weeks. So I'd just like to finish with, with this little question. You know I like to finish with a challenge, a little question for you to think about. So the question is this, how does grace make a difference in our relationships? How does grace make a difference in our relationships? And maybe I'd just like you to be thinking about that as you go and as you, um, you know, go through the week, just thinking about how grace transforms the way that we, we interact uh, with other people, because it does change our, our views and our, our relationships. So let's take a moment to pray as we, uh, as we come to a close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you that although... Um, we could not earn righteousness ourselves by doing the, the works of the law. We thank you that you have given us Jesus Christ and that we can gain um, by dying with Christ and um, being raised again with him. We gain that righteousness which we can never have for ourselves. And we pray that you would help us to truly understand your grace and understand what it means for us and Um, especially for how we interact with other people. So please help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.